Please turn in your Bibles to Isaiah chapter 52. We start a new series today on Isaiah. Actually, it's an old series we're picking back up with, and we'll complete Isaiah. We started it several years ago, and I have kind of broken it a couple of times. Called it IV from Isaiah. Whose were the most beautiful feet that you've ever seen? Someone gave my wife a pedicure certificate for Christmas, and she went and had her toes painted and came home and flashed them at me, (coughs) and they were beautiful. But those are not the most beautiful feet I've ever seen. The most beautiful feet I've ever seen belong to an Air Force chaplain by the name of Joe Lee, who trotted over to me when I was in seminary and lost as I could be and befriended me and, and then uh, explained the good news. Got a letter here from a former member of our church uh, over the holidays. Uh, Dear Frank, this is from Marge McNutt. She lives up in Chattanooga. I'm enclosing a copy of a letter which might bring back memories to you. It does to me, and it has made my Christmas. Remember when I was a new Christian and I prayed about the house next door? I asked the Lord to send me a Christian friend or someone I could lead to the Lord. The next day, a Jewish family bought it, and it scared me to death. Regina spent days and days at my house. That's how I learned the Old Testament, trying to find the gospel in her Bible, in the Old Testament. And, of course, it's there, but uh, Marge was brand new. You baptized her, and she joined the church about the time we moved up here. And then uh, she sent me a copy of a letter that she got from Regina early in December. Dear Mr. and Ms. McNutt, my name is Regina Crystal Phillips. I was wondering if you are the Jack and Marge McNutt family who lived on Christopher Drive in the Cahaba Heights area of Birmingham in the early 1960s. If so, please contact me. If so, Marge, you are the one who, as my next-door neighbor, led me to accept Christ as my personal Savior, and I became a Jewish believer at that time. I hope you'll remember me, though it's been some 33 years. I've never forgotten you. Beautiful feet. Here in this portion of Scripture... We have God, through Isaiah, directing words to Israel, or Zion. Jerusalem was built on Mount Zion, and that got to be a synonym for the people of God. Uh, He's picturing Zion in captivity in Babylon. That hadn't happened yet. Uh, It would happen... Maybe 60 years from the time that Isaiah uh, wrote this, the time that Isaiah died, actually. And uh, 
He's picturing them in captivity in Babylon. But about to be released. They were there for 70 years. The first group went in 606 B.C. And, and you had two more groups go. And then they came out. 536 B.C. Notice the call here to captive Zion to awake and clothe herself. In verse 1, Awake, awake, O Zion, clothe yourself with strength. Put on your garments of splendor, O Jerusalem, the holy city. Uh, Zion is pictured as being in captivity, but is called to wake up. Notice in verse 2, Shake off your dust, rise up, sit enthroned on Jerusalem, free yourself from the chains on your neck, O captive daughter of Zion. Uh, now, this pictures also people who are in captivity to sin, in bondage to sin under the guilt of having broken God's law, not yet set free by Jesus Christ. It's designed to picture that. The one is a symbol of the other. Just like when they were in captivity in Egypt, and God raises up Moses to lead them to the promised land. That's designed by God to picture bondage to guilt and sin with the angel of death coming, judgment hanging over your head, delivered by the blood of the Lamb on your way to the promised land of heaven. Uh, well, this is the same concept. Now, uh, notice the call there to awake and clothe. Awake, awake, O Zion. Clothe yourself with strength. Put on strength, put on beautiful garments, clothe yourself with holiness, uh, and uh, prepare for liberty is the idea. But she can't free herself, and we can't free ourselves. Man, when I was a non-Christian, I tried to change my ways, and uh, I found I was in bondage to habits and practices. Uh, the... Cause for such activity, assurance is given that their enemies would be conquered. He says, the uncircumcised and defiled will not enter you again. And there'd be an end to their captivity. Verse 3, this is what the Lord says, you were sold for nothing and without money you will be redeemed. Redeemed is the idea of set free upon payment of price. They'd be set free, but it wouldn't be for money. And so here's deliverance at hand for all who desired it. And the joy that Zion would feel at the good news of release. Verse 7. How beautiful on the mountains are the feet of those who bring good news, who proclaim peace, who bring good tidings, who proclaim salvation, who say to Zion, your God reigns. Uh, by means of speeding messengers, the news would reach them. You're set free. It's, it's hard to tell as you read it whether these messengers are running to those who are in captivity in Babylon and saying, you're free. Actually, what would happen is God would bring uh, the Medo-Persian Empire and uh, they would conquer the Babylonians. And Cyrus, whom God named and said, Cyrus is going to deliver them. And he did that through Isaiah hundred years before Cyrus was ever born. Names him. And uh, he says, uh, you'll be delivered. 
And these messengers would run to tell them. Or maybe they're running back here to the remnant of the people who are in Jerusalem saying, they're coming home. Babylon's been conquered. And the beautiful feet of those messengers, how beautiful on the mountain are the feet of those who bring good news. Think of how beautiful the feet are in World War II in occupied France when the American troops marched in. People lined the street and cheered and cheered. Think of how beautiful the feet when the doctor walks out of the operating room and says, your boy is going to be all right. Think of how beautiful the feet uh, when the mailman comes. Here's a letter from your son who's been missing in action. Think of how beautiful the feet uh, when uh, you're in prison and the warden comes and he says, here's a pardon from the governor. None of those compare to the good news of salvation. Deliverance from the guilt and power of sin, the doom that awaits us if we're not delivered. Oh, how beautiful the feet. That's, that's what this is really picturing. Not just deliverance from Babylon, but deliverance from the doom of hell that we deserve. Now, uh, the fact that uh, this is the deeper meaning of this in Romans, in the New Testament, in Romans chapter 10, the Apostle Paul has been talking about the lost estate of all men, Gentile and Jew, all men needing a Savior, all men guilty before God, as none righteous, no, not one. And then he talks about whoever shall call upon the name of the Lord, and he's explained what he means by that, surrender their will to Jesus Christ as God the Son, who was born as a man, lived under the law, kept it perfectly, and then died in our stead, undergoing the penalty for our sin, believe in him, believe his claims, and then surrender our will to him as our master in true repentance, trusting him as our Savior, that just on the basis of his death, God would forgive us as a free, undeserved gift by grace. Call on the name of the Lord in that sense. Whoever will do that, says Paul, shall be saved. How shall they call upon him in whom they have not believed? How shall they believe in them whom they have not heard? How shall they hear without a preacher? How shall they preach unless they be sent, unless somebody trains them and sends them? As it is written, and then he quotes this passage, How beautiful are the feet of them that bring glad tidings. So that's exactly what this is really picturing for us. Uh, the beautiful feet. Marge McNutt's feet, beautiful as she goes next door to her neighbor there. Joe Lee's feet, beautiful as he came to me. Your feet, beautiful, as you go, as you're trained, as you're equipped and go. Uh, I was uh, with the, over the Christmas holidays, I spoke in Orlando to our camp, campus outreach uh, youngsters there, the college students uh, who were on the campuses up the East Coast, uh, starting around Augusta and moving on up, and and uh, South Carolina, North Carolina, and we had 850 students over there. We had some 1,200 up at Gatlinburg of the other campuses. But uh, I would speak, and then we would meet in with the different groups and and uh, the leaders of the groups. And this one would say, "Tell them what you're doing." Well, I'm uh, I'm a new Christian, and I'm 
on the soccer team and I'm reaching out and I'm discipling four guys on the team. I'm a new Christian. I'm in the basketball group and I'm reaching out on the basketball team. I've won two guys to Christ and they're meeting with me every Wednesday morning. I am uh, uh, took the job of RA in my dorm so I could work with the fellows there and got a Bible study group meeting early in the morning. Three guys have come to Christ. Beautiful feet. Beautiful feet. Uh, the content of the message here, it says, who proclaim peace, who bring good tidings, who proclaim salvation. Not so much peace between man and man, but peace between man and God. Salvation, not just deliverance from Babylon, from guilt of sin, reconciled to God. And uh, the manifestation of God's reign in this, who say to Zion, your God reigns. The excitement of the watchmen when they see these messengers coming and then they echo it back. Uh, Listen, your watchmen lift up their voices. Together they shout for joy. When the Lord returns to Zion, they will see it with their own eyes. There will be a point when not, not only has God returned to them spiritually blessing them, but when God comes literally, that was going to happen. And they would literally see him. And he did assume our nature. Remember John, in the opening chapter of John, says, uh, We beheld his, speaking of Jesus Christ, we beheld his glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Or in uh, 1 John, That which was from the beginning, which we have seen with our eyes, and our hands have held of the word of life. He's speaking of the incarnate Christ. The call to Jerusalem to rejoice over this. In uh, verse 9, burst into songs of joy together, you ruins of Jerusalem. Back over here, where Jerusalem has just got a remnant. Jerusalem, you rejoice, they're coming home. For the Lord has comforted his people, he has redeemed Jerusalem. The Lord will weigh bare his holy arm in the sight of all the nations, and all the ends of the earth will see the salvation of our God. This wasn't just dealing with a little nation. This was dealing with something that would be worldwide. A reign that would one day be worldwide. A spiritual kingdom. Now, the manner in which they are to depart Babylon, verse 11, depart, depart, go out from there, touch no unclean thing, come out from it and be pure. When we come into his kingdom, we leave our old habits, our old ways. Don't try to bring them with us. Uh, you who carry the vessels of the Lord, but you will not leave in haste to go out in flight, for the Lord will go before you, and the God of Israel will be your rear guard. You'll be calm, and you trust Him as you make this great step. Uh, now, the servant by whom this salvation would be accomplished. Now, we spoke of, Zara, of Cyrus, but... Here, he speaks of an individual who in Isaiah is referred to as the servant of the Lord. You get the servant passages in Isaiah. And this is one of those key passages. Notice this servant, how exalted he is. Verse 13, See, my servant will act wisely. He will be raised and lifted up and highly exalted. Here's this exalted person who will be act wisely, he'll be very prudent. 
But notice his humiliation. We see his exaltation. Notice his humiliation. Verse 14, just as there were many who were appalled at him, his appearance was so disfigured beyond that of any man in his form marred beyond human likeness. This exalted person will undergo terrible humiliation and will suffer in his body horribly. And what will he accomplish by that? Why would he undergo that? Verse 15, so will he sprinkle many nations. In the Old Testament, you took the blood of a lamb and you sprinkled people and objects to cleanse them. Ceremonially. Well, the blood of this individual would sprinkle people from many nations. They'd be cleansed from the guilt of sin by his blood. Here's a prophecy of this coming exalted one, the servant of the Lord, Jesus Christ, God the Son, who would be so exalted and yet would suffer so terribly to die for our sins. Jesus said, this commandment I received of my Father, that I lay down my life for the sheep. He would take our guilt upon himself. And uh, the impact of this, the impact of this, it says, so will he sprinkle many nations and kings will shut their mouths because of him. People will be astounded. Incredible. Well might the sun in darkness hide and shut its glories in when Christ the mighty maker died for man the creature sin. Who could have conceived that almighty God would come and die for sinners? For what they were not told, they will see. And what they have not heard, they will understand. Wow. What about it? If you're a Christian, so did he sprinkle you. That's how. What shall I render to the Lord for all of his benefits toward me? I need to have beautiful feet. I need to go out to those nations and peoples around he wants to use us to bring that good news, to set them free. That's why we have EE. And let me challenge you to take the EE training if you haven't had it or to train someone else. Uh, that banquet, 22nd, come. It's mentioned in the bulletin how to sign up for it. Do that. And get trained. And uh, then there's another thing. Uh, here's, a, here's a letter from a lady present this morning, a card that I got Christmas, and she just tells how somebody invited her to church here 20 years ago. She says, my life's never been the same. Just reach out. Reach out and invite folks to things, to church, to groups. We've got something a little different we're going to do uh, starting next Sunday. There's a program called Alpha, A-L-P-H-A, developed by a church in England, the Holy Trinity Church in Brompton, in a suburb of London. 
they've had this course, it's like basic Christianity, for about 25 years. And, but in 1990, a new associate pastor took it over by the name of Nicky Gumbel, and he began to realize the potentiality to reach people with the gospel that if they structured it just a little different. Prior to then, they would offer about three courses a year, maybe have 60 people take it. The next year, he offered uh, probably four or five courses and had three or four hundred take it. Other churches heard about it, wanted to do it, and so the next year, there were probably 30, church, 30 courses offered and 1,000, 2,000 people take it. Next year, 50,000. Next year, 250,000. Last year, 500,000 people took this course around the world. And so we're going to offer it. Uh, well, next Sunday, uh, there will be a luncheon here uh, where we will show the first video. And uh, uh, if you, uh, you can come if you bring a friend. <laughs> And uh, you need to let us know. You need to call and let us know, let the Christian Ed office know that you're, you're coming to the luncheon. And we'll teach that also on Wednesday nights. It's about a 10-week course, and uh, we'll do it here also. So a lot of things, a lot of opportunities. And uh, uh, But number one, get that training in EE, number one. Uh, if you're here and you're not a Christian, well, notice the truth of Christianity. Here's this detailed prophecy about not just the freeing of the nation, but the freeing of people and this exalted person who had come. And that's just one of hundreds of such prophecies. It's the Word of God carrying out His plan. And He wants to set you free. I hope my feet have been beautiful to you today. And you'll respond if you're not a Christian. If you've never committed your life, never experienced that freedom. Let's bow in prayer. As our hearts are bowed, uh, what would the Lord have you do? Pray about it. If uh, you're a Christian, uh, what would he have you do in terms of the things being offered? And uh, who might he have you reach out to? Take those feet and go see him. Pray and ask his guidance. If you're not a Christian, uh, what about accepting the offering, uh, offering uh, liberty today? Just pray. If you're willing to have a master and you believe the claims of Christ, pray like this. Lord Jesus, thank you for the offer of forgiveness and freedom. Lord, I'm in captive. I'm a captive. I'm in bondage. And I ask you to come and free me. And I trust you to do that right now. I purpose to obey you. Come into my life. Amen.